Welcome to the Parkway Life Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. About that, but today we're going to talk about feeling shame. All of us at some point or another feel shame in our life. Some point. I mean, um, maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe that's where you were at a few months ago or, or, or whatever, but all of us at some point know what it is to experience shame. And shame can certainly arise from feelings of guilt from something that we have done wrong. Man, maybe we fell into sin. Maybe we made some bad choices. And you feel shame because of that choice of a sin that maybe you committed. In fact, we see that with Adam and Eve. Um, Adam and Eve, I mean, we, we just get the whole human race started and Adam and Eve fall into sin. And because of it, we see that they, this is the first time we get an introduction that they felt shame. They felt shame in the garden. They hid themselves from the Lord. They, were, they felt shame, felt shame. And since then, it's kind of been in humanity that we, in that human condition ever since then, that we, we can feel shame, shames for things that we maybe have done, some choices that we've made. And then shame can also be triggered in other ways. Shame can be triggered in our lives by things that had nothing to do with the choices that we have made. We didn't make the choice on some things that we feel shame of. We might feel shame because something done to us and this is really tough. This is really tough. Maybe, maybe you were abused in your life. Maybe abused physically, sexually, verbally. You were talked to or treated in ways that communicate you were worthless or damaged until... Eventually, those things, you heard them long enough and you heard the statements long enough that they started kind of setting in and you started believing those statements and it became kind of who you are. And so, or maybe shame comes from something, again, of which you had no control over. Maybe it was a disability, physical disability, mental disability, a weakness, uh, maybe a health issue. I've seen ladies at times not be able to, to have children and because of that really wrestle with shame. Not that we say that it should be, that's not what we mean, but we feel it kind of start attaching. It can be multiple things. Christian, a Christian counselor by the name of Ed Welch says shame, and this really wraps it all up, shame is the deep sense that you are inherently flawed unacceptable and unworthy of love because of something you've done, something done to you, or something associated with you. And shame starts feeling like a permanent part of who you are. You kind of start taking that on. It would be like maybe a, a, a disfigured face that you can't get away from, that you want to hide your face. 
Shame does that. It makes you feel like it becomes a permanent part of who you are. And so you want to hide from that. And so we want to help you today with that. Shame, shame says, I'm defective. Shame says, I'm flawed. Shame says, I'm dirty. Shame says, I'm, I'm ugly. I'm unlovable. I am pitiful. I am worthless. For many of us, people in our life have maybe even attempted to control us through shame. They've used shame to be a controlling factor. It can be, it can be a Christian leader. It could be a, a, a parent. It could be a child to the parent. It, it can go so many. People have tried to make you feel bad about yourself and used shame to get what they wanted. Tough, tough stuff. stuff. Statements like, you're lazy. That's, that's putting shame on people. Uh, uh, you're, you're ignorant. You're a bad student. Here, here's one we're hearing a lot right now, and, and I, I want to I expose this right now. We're hearing this a lot. This is a form of using shame to control people. You're a racist. And when you hear that, it is placing a shame on you to control you. Brene Brown, who is a famous author about shame, says, and the bad thing is it works. It works, but only for a season. Because after a while, it no longer works and you feel all the resentment because it really did work. It works in all the negative ways. And so, but it's used, it's used to control people and but somehow in all of it it starts producing things in our life. Man, I hope today speaks to you. Shame produces a few things in our life, and one of those is hopeless perfectionism. That we are going to absolutely perform at the highest standards. And although that's good, we use that through shame because we want to say this, there I did it. I proved it. I exceeded expectations. And therefore, I have worth after all. Does that make sense? So I, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just have hopeless, and I said hopeless, hopeless perfectionism. Because the, the perfectionism is really setting you up really for more failure, which is the next thing that shame produces, and that is harsh criticism. Harsh criticism. In other words, this. First thing is it makes you really fired up about perfectionism, hopeless perfectionism. And I'm, I've got to be perfect because I've got to exceed expectation of what's been placed on me. I don't want to be lazy. I don't want this. I don't want that. And so then harsh criticism starts flowing out of me. In other words, this, I'm so hard on myself, it doesn't end there, I start being hard on everybody around me. I start being really tough and rough on everybody else. And, and, I'm, I'm, and when they, and what happens is, what is going on is, when you see your own faults mirrored in someone else, it's a type of self-loathing in other words, you're hating on yourself by hating on them. We, we use a statement that called 
uh, hurt people what? That, that's why. Hurt people hurt people. In other words, they are hurting so bad that they start hurting someone else. And so that's, 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 that's really tough. And then shame produces something else called helpless feelings. That, I mean, everything that comes out of your mind, uh, mouth is so negative and helpless and they're never going to like me. They're, I'm never gonna have a good relationship. I'll never get the promotion. I'll never amount to anything. And it starts, and, and you assume the worst because, because down deep you believe you are the worst and you deserve the worst. And so there's helpless, helpless feelings that starts rolling out of you. So what I want to do today, I know those things that I just mentioned, you're like, man, that one spoke to me and that one, and maybe I saw myself there, and we're not here to make you feel bad about yourself. We're here to let the Lord bring you help and glory and strength. The Bible, the song we just said, he said, he turns shame into glory. I, I want to see the Lord have a transfer today from the shame into the glory of what he can do in your life. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise about that. Luke, so let's go to the Bible. Let's go, let's go there. That would be a good thing. We're at church, right? Luke 8, Luke 8, chapter 42 through 48. And we're gonna read a, a text and, and preach a story that, that um, every one of you, if you've been around church at all, you know this story because it's a very popular story. If you hadn't been around church, it's, it's very interesting. Listen to this. Verse 42, and I'm gonna pick and choose and say things out of the text uh, instead of reading all of it. But listen to this. verse 42. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. I kind of see this picture of this lady with this disease and because of her disease, we find out she probably has chronic pain. She, she is... She in just severe pain and she was unable to have children because of the issue, the bleeding issue. And according to Jewish law, she was ceremonially unclean. And I can kind of see this lady as she is pressing. The Bible says she pressed. King James says she pressed her way through the crowd. I can Jesus, if we can, if Jesus is this like this podium here today, I could see, I could see her coming. This big crowd around Jesus, I could see her. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little over dramatic. Y'all going? Don't say amen to that. But I could see her in her hurt and her pain. You know, getting maybe down even on her knees and pushing her way through the crowd. And the Bible said press. I don't know what that looks like to you, but my mind goes crazy. And I, I, I can see her, and, and, and I, can, I can see people grabbing hold of her garment saying, hey, 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 where are you doing? Line starts back there, ma'am. Line starts back there. And she, she just keeps working, keeps working, keeps working. And, and ma'am, 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 if you're going to get to Jesus, the line starts back there. I, can I just stop and say something? She wasn't waiting on the line for Jesus to touch her. She was starting a new line to touch Jesus. 
And, and, and so she was, she was going to get her way to Jesus. And she pressed and she pulled. And, 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 there's, and, and there's, man, can you imagine the crowd? And there's B.O. And they've been standing in line for a long time. And they're sweating. And, and every, everything's going on. And it's tough. And, and that, means that, that, that means this lady for 12 years up to this point, it had pushed her to a place of desperation. Why? Because she, she, she was in public. She was in public. Public made her nervous. The public gave her this feeling like they're looking at me. And, and somebody in this room had a tough time to come to church today because you felt like when you stepped in the house of God that everybody was looking at you. That's shame. And, and for, for 12 years, she wasn't allowed in public for 12 years. Nobody wanted to be around her. No, no public worship. Because she was ceremonially unclean, no, no, no public worship. In other words, she couldn't come to church for 12 years. Not she made a choice not to. No, no, no. She couldn't come in to church. It means no one has touched her for 12, they, they, lest they become unclean also. And so for 12 years, no, one has, no one's hugged her neck lest they become unclean. No one's laid a hand on her to pray for her at church. She's an outcast. She's lonely. And she has spent all of her family's fortune to try to fix an incurable disease somehow to cure it. And it's just not working out the way she had planned. And she feels completely hopeless. One last observation I want to bring out about this woman is that in the text, Luke doesn't even give her, he doesn't even give her a name in the, in the biblical text. He just, she's the lady with the issue of blood. We, we, don't even, we don't even hear that she's Sally or Jennifer or, you know, Beatrice or whoever. I don't know where I came up with those names, but anyways, I went on, yeah, I just snagged some from out there. Her name is left out of the text. Her name is left out because no one knows her anyway. I don't know if when Luke wrote the text, he goes, I've never seen her before. I don't know her. And some of that's intentional because she is hidden. She is invisible to people. That's as much her choice as it was anyone else's. She wanted it to be that way. Because shame always pushes you to hide in the garden. Shame always pushes you to duck your head, lower your head, and not be seen. Shame tells you that. Shame does that to people. It makes them want to hide less. If they were exposed, they would be even more humiliated when people find out about the real me. Verse 44. Verse 44 says she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Touched the fringe. She sneaks up to him. She's going to steal a miracle. She sneaks up to him and she touches the fringe of his garment as he passes by, she reaches out and touch. One Greek translation is, talks about that she grabbed hold of his garment like a rope, like you would grab a rope. In other words, 
this is my last rope of hope that I can reach out to and I'm gonna grab hold of it for all it's worth. If I'm gonna have deliverance, I've heard that this holy rabbi whose name is Jesus, there may be hope from him and I've lost all hope. My chance is here and out from the crowd, a little hand reaches out in embarrassment but as one last chance, I'm gonna come back to church. If it's one last try, I'm humiliated. I don't even wanna step in the room but I'm gonna give it one last try because I've been to every other church in town. I've been to other, every hospital. I've been to every psychologist and, and, and ever since I, I've tried every drug. I've drank every liquid. I've done everything. I've been in, I, I've tried every affair. I've done anything. Is there any hope? And a little bitty hand reaches out and grabs hold of a garment that says, please give me hope. Please give Please give me hope. And Jesus said, look, verse 44, let me say this. And immediately her discharge of blood, boom, when she touched Jesus. And Jesus said, who is it that touched me? King James says, the, I just felt a virtue flow out of me. And I'm like, my goofy mind says, Jesus, you know who that was. You knew who it was that touched you, so why did you say who touched me? And the reason why is shame, shame has got to be identified. She needs, she needs to identify herself. She needs to step out of the shadows. And that's a tough thing for a person with shame. And Jesus standing there said, who, it'd be, it, would be like, it would be like you coming into your house and, and the cookie jar is not there and you, you, you walk into the living room and there's three kids in the living room and they're watching TV and there's two that have an innocent face and the cookie jar is open and then there's the other one. Y'all, do y'all have a, a, the other one? Can I get a witness? Don't call any names right now. But there's always the other one. And the other one has chocolate all over his face or her face has chocolate all over their face and the parent walks in and says, who's been in the cookie jar? The parent knows who's been in the cookie jar, but the parent wants the kid to identify himself. Jesus says, who touched me? Oh no, he didn't. And right at about the time that the question is gonna get solved, Simon Peter, y'all, there's always a Simon Peter in the bunch. He's rambunctious, he don't get it, he don't understand, he's there, he's trying to do good. It's like Brandon's statement during all this COVID stuff, everybody's trying their best, don't get mad, everybody's trying. Simon Peter's trying his best. 
And he kicks in with a little realism. He said, Master! <laughs> the crowd, like, come on, we know you, we know you who you are, but Master! The crowd presses against you. In other words, he's saying this. I've been here for hours and they acted like you, you know, running for president and everybody's pressing up against us and we're the ones who's sweating. We smell the B.O. and they're not even here for us. They're here for you. Master, do you have to ask such a dumb question? You, you know who touched me and Jesus says, Master, these masters of the crowd surround you and are pressing on you and, and you can almost hear, Jesus didn't say it because he's, he's just Jesus, but I say it, you know, because I kind of hear it in the text. Thank you so much, Peter, for your great insight and blessing in this moment. I needed your insight to let me know, but something just touched me. Verse 46, Jesus said something just touched me. I know everybody's pressing against me, but somebody's got desperation. For I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. She just wanted to steal a miracle and go home. The last thing she wanted to do was to be exposed again. I've been exposed for 12 years. I've been, everybody's known my name. I felt like it's been in the paper on the front pages of everything. It's been the number one statement on Facebook. Everybody knows I'm unclean. Everybody knows what I've done. Surely, what is he gonna think of me? What is my, I already feel better, but yet still my shame is attached to me. I've been healed but I haven't been set free of my shame. I'm in a tough place but, 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 but I feel better. I, I'm in a quandary here. It's a, it's a weird place. I feel better. This is where I'm supposed to be but it's also where I'm nervous about being. What is he about to say? Is he going to humiliate me again? Is he going to reject me in front of of everyone, what happens next might be the most profound moment of all the gospels because it answers the most basic question that you and I and everyone that comes to Christ answer or ask at one point or the other. It's this question of, of, of this. What happens when we come to a holy God Expose and all of our shame and, and our ugliness and our mess. You, you had to ask that. I, I, I get told this sometimes. Well, Pastor, I haven't been church in years, and, and if I do, the ceiling's gonna fall. Man, man, don't, don't flatter yourself. Don't flatter yourself. He's been working with broken, messed up people for years. In fact, everybody in this room has been broken, busted, disgusted, and we walked in here with our heads low and shame on us. Put Jesus. Put Jesus. 
And this is the answer to the question that some of you are asking today. What, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? How's he going to treat me? How's it going to be handled? And Jesus said to her, <laughs> and he said to her, daughter, people, it's huge. Nobody knows her name. She's nameless in the text. And Jesus said to her, daughter, not stranger, not ma'am, but the girl that nobody wants, Jesus said, daughter. One Greek text says the statement, sweetheart, or an endearing term. It's an endearing term to, to, to say daughter. I, I have three daughters, and when I speak the name daughter, when I say daughter, it's, it's different than I call anybody else in the house. I, I can't label anybody else in the house, but when I say daughter, when that daddy says daughter, it's an endearing term that man, I'll stand on the line for you. I'll fight with you and for you and go before you. I'm, I'm, I, it's, 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 it's daughter and Jesus Almighty looks down to her and, and I know you're nameless. I know you're scared. I know you're how I'm gonna approach you. You're wondering about if I'm gonna expose you, what I'm gonna do, but I wanna tell you, you are my daughter. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're my, you're my daughter. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. Hallelujah. Macy, Macy, come here. Come here just a minute. This is my daughter. This is what I do. Come here, Paige. Come here, Paige. Come here. Come here. Come here, Tay Tay. Come here. Come here. You can't have it that way. I go. I go. God bless you. Yeah, look at. I love you, but that's my daughter's. And he said this, I know, I know, I know, I don't know if you know what it's gonna be like when I'll see you, but I'll tell you what it's gonna be like. I'm gonna call you son. I'm gonna call you daughter. You're my kid. I'm, I'm your daddy. You're the king's kid. You're somebody. I believe in you. I know every other person has turned their back on you. Maybe a church has turned their back on you, but I wanna tell you, you are my child. Woo! Man, if that don't give you up, could you stand with me and give the Lord a shout of praise? Come on, give the Lord a shout. He called you son. He called you daughter. Roy, he called you son. He called you daughter. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ooh, just stay standing with me just a minute because I'm not through with that. Woo, you say, if this is your first time here, yes, I do occasionally get excited because he called me son. He called me son. Pastor, why are you so excited? Because he called me his. He called me his. I didn't know. I didn't know. But in my moment, in my shame, and everybody's got a little bit, whether you chose it, whether it's been laid on you, whether you was born with it, but you got a little bit, and it's that question, how is a holy God going to respond to me and he says son daughter he called me when nobody else wanted me 
when you was when you was pushing stuff up your arm he said daughter when you was lying in bed like a harlot he said daughter when you was acting like a wayward son he said daughter and son I love you I love you I love you would you just lift your hands and worship that God Come on, just from somewhere deep down, I don't know how you do it, but just give God a praise for he has been so good to you. The presence of the Lord is in this room right now. And don't be fearful of that. He's your daddy. Some, some of you, some of you were mistreated by a father figure in your life. That's not the daddy I'm talking about. Some of you had shame put on you by a father. That's not the same father image I'm talking about. This Jesus of mine it's different. If you believe that, give the Lord a shout of praise. Can you do that? And he looks at her and said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Turn around to somebody and says, your faith has made you well. Would you turn to somebody? Your faith has made you well. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question. Think with me here. Now put your thinking caps on. Would you do that? What typically happens when an unclean thing touches a clean thing? Think about that with me. What typically happens when an unclean thing touches a clean thing? The unclean thing makes the clean thing unclean. Think about it like a sickness, like a sickness. Your child is throwing up, whatever. I got some other terminology for it that would kind of not make you want dinner or lunch, but they're kind of, and you don't go, oh, I want to take them to church and put them in the nursery with all the healthy kids today because if I bring them to church and put them in the nursery with all the healthy kids, the healthy kids will make my kid healthy. It don't work like that. If anything's going to be transferred, what happens? The unclean will make the clean unclean. Is that right? Y'all got to get this because it's a huge point. It's a huge point. But here, with Jesus, when the unclean thing touches the clean thing, the unclean thing becomes clean. (laughs) Woo! That's awesome. 
It's also a mouthful of words that I'd like for you to come up here and repeat those for me. Would you do that? So what happened to the uncleanness? If that's not how it works, where did the uncleanness go? <laughs> uncleanness had to go somewhere. Where'd it go? And that's the million dollar question of the Gospels. That's why we call it, the Gospel is called the good news of the Gospel. It's a crazy transfer that doesn't make sense. But what happens? The clean steps in and takes the unclean and becomes unclean himself and leaves you clean. It's the crazy picture of the gospel. Jesus, in this moment, silently, without saying anything, took her uncleanness in to himself. You see, I didn't tell you this earlier, but please go back and read it later. Jesus is literally in the walk moving towards the cross. He's in the final movement of his ministry. And he sees Jairus' father comes to him about his daughter and the next, the lady with the issue of blood and boom, 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 in just a few days, he's on And so he takes it, pulls it into himself, and he who knew no sin became sin. <laughs> you want to know how he's going to respond to you? takes on everything you've done. Isaiah in the Old Testament said he would be wounded for our transgression. He would be bruised for what? Our iniquities. He would carry our shame. People, people in these next few days would literally do things that you would see around people that are carrying shame. People would hide their faces from him. People would spit at him, spit at him, treat him like a, here is a man who knew no sin and they're treating him like the worst of sinners and they're pulling in his beard and they're spitting on him and they're whipping his back and he's carrying a cross and he's acting like a thief and they're treating him like a thief and he's, they're treating him like he's a robber. They're treating him like he's got all of these issues and he knew no sin because he took, and the beautiful picture of it is he took this lady's shame and brought it into himself. That's why here today, if you're wondering how he's gonna respond to you, I'll tell you, he was bruised for your iniquities. He he took on all of your issues and your trouble and your struggle and he took it unto himself and he died on Calvary 
And the Bible says, even he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Everybody walked out on him. He was considered to be cursed by God. Sounds a lot like shame. And Jesus took this woman's uncleanness into himself and she thought she was gonna steal a miracle. But she went home in peace and restored to her family and he headed toward the cross where he'd be hung in shame. So to those whose shame comes from something you've done or mistakes you have made, he went to the cross so you could go home in peace. Today. Today. I touched him and my uncleanness passes into him. And he starts calling me son. A new name. A daughter. A new name. I'm no longer called by what I've done, by what, but by what he declares over me. This new identity outweighs any other identity put on you. And I want to say it and say it loud. You are not what others have said about you. You are not what others have done to you. You are what Jesus Christ has declared over you. I speak it in power and faith. You are not damaged. You are not second rate. Oh, somebody's got to hear me. You're not damaged. You're not second rate. You're not unworthy. You're not unloved. You are precious. You are a beloved child of God whom he created and who he redeemed. And it's time the shame others have put on you give way to the honor that he declares over you. And somebody said, in Jesus' name. So if you're stuck in shame, I don't want to just leave you there. You know part of my preaching, it's who I am. But I not only want to tell you the issue, I want to tell you how to get out. And that is, that is, one of the things I want you to do is I want you to tell your story. Because shame thrives in secrecy. And so I want you to tell your story. I think that's one of the beautiful things about repentance. You're able to tell your story to God. But, but tell your story. Tell your story. Verbalizing shame diffuses it of its secret power. Speak it. Jesus is calling you to speak your shame. And I want to say something when I say that because when I say part of the healing process is to speak your shame, the first thing we go, oh God, I can do everything but not that. And I want to say here today, it's okay in the church to not be okay. It's okay. Well, I thought everybody that comes to church is, 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 is okay or everybody's perfect. <laughs> they not. We not. I always say this, if you're looking for the perfect church, keep driving. This is not it. 
we're a bunch of imperfect people that God is reaching down into our brokenness and we're moving towards what he wants us to be. That's called the grace of God. Amen? It's good to say amen because somebody needs to hear you say that today. It's okay to not be okay at the house of God and we understand that Jesus only saves broken people and that's the only kind of people they, there really is, is broken people. There really is, yes, right. And I want to say this too. This church is not supposed to be a trophy case of the righteous, but a hospital for the broken people. And even after God saves you, redeems you, and calls you into all of his glorious righteousness, please don't get that stinking air about you. Is that all right for me to say? I said it free for you anyways. Keep understanding, had it not been for Jesus, where would I be? He's a head lifter in your life. The second thing we need to do is to have our head lifted. Something's got to lift our head because when we step into his presence, we're, we're so nervous about what's going to happen. And I want us to be able to tell our story. And the second thing I want us to do is we need, we need to let our head be lifted. We need to let him reach down to us and lift us out of what we're in, lift us up in this story. She's still looking at the ground. She's still in fear. She's still, who touched me? Oh, no. And she drops that head, and I believe he looks at her and says, look to me, precious daughter. Lift that head. Psalms 3 calls him the lifter of my head. Have you ever ever been that? Have you ever walked in church and Psalms 3 steps up in your world and he becomes the lifter of your head? The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So what what Satan is doing is got your head and forcing it down. And Psalms 3 says he's the lifter of my head and when Satan pushes down, he's stepping in and saying, don't you do that to my daughter. And he's lifting that head back up. Don't you do that to my son. And he's lifting that head back back up. I want to tell you here today, the lifter of the head is in the building. He's in the building. And he wants to shift your focus off of what Satan has told you to what Christ has called and declared over you. And so this is what God does. He addresses your sin. He addresses your sin, shows you its inconsistency with your new identity and helps you, gets gets involved and helps you repair the work of the damage caused to you by sin. That, my friends, is the good news of the gospel. I, I, I I want you to stand with me. Would you do that, please? You're such a beautiful crowd here today. Can I ask you a question today? I... How many of you, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. How many of you have felt shame somewhere in your life? Throw throw that hand up. Today, look at this. No, hold on a second. Just keep your hand up. I want you to look around. I want you to look around because shame tries to tell you you're the only one. Please look around. Please look around. Please look around. 
Are you seeing that? You're not by yourself. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. But the lifter of the head is in the room today. And he's here today to speak life over you. And out of all of the five, for me personally, out of all the five of In My Fields, this has been the toughest for me to preach because I knew it, it's the toughest for people to hear because of things that have been done to you. But I speak life today in the name of Jesus Christ. I hope, hopefully, in this house today, you so feel the presence of God that you know He still loves me. I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to just bow your head for a minute. Would you do that? We're going to lift it here in just a minute, but I, I want a moment of just between you and the Lord, and I'm going to pray over you, but I'd love for you to pray over yourself too. I want you to bow that head. Heavenly Father, I come to you for my... <laughs> come to you for broken people today we're just broken people God but God I'm not coming to you today to beg you to show mercy I'm not coming to you to beg you to heal shame I don't even have to ask you to do that you do that just because of who you are You do that because you've already paid for the price. The price. I don't have to beg you for that. But what I'm asking you today is help my friends today. Whether they're online in a living room or they're standing in this room today, I'm asking you to help my friends today, God. Because the devil has so pushed our heads down that we think we can't touch a garment of virtue. He has so pushed out any feelings of worth that we think that we're not even worthy to be in the room. (laughs) But God, would you strengthen our arm today to touch a garment? Would you strengthen our legs to get into your presence? Would you strengthen our heart today? That's what I'm asking you to do, Lord. Walk into broken, abused, battered situations. And God, give them the strength to make that move towards you because if they will just make a move, God, you will take the uncleanness and make them clean. In Jesus' name, I thank you for that. I praise you this day. Be with us today. Give us your grace and strength in Jesus' name. And the church said, in Jesus' name, Somebody say, I receive it. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want to make a declaration here today. I want you to make a declaration with me. And so we're going to put some words on the screen today, and and we're going to read them all together. And when when we read them, if you have walked through shame, you, you you raised your hand and said that this, this was speaking to your life. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to call it the who am I statement. It's the who am I statement, okay? 
And I want you to start right here where it says I am. And we're gonna read this with, with power, with authority, and we're gonna speak it. We're gonna speak it out. I want you to lift your head and speak this with authority. Are you ready? Y'all ready? Here we go, here we go. I am not what others have done to me. I am not what others have said about me. I am not what the voices inside me whisper about me. Come on now. I am what Christ has declared over me. I am who Christ says I am. I am forgiven. I am free. I am redeemed. I am healed. I am brand new. I am chosen. I am changed. I am blessed. I am loved. Come on right here. I am a child of God. Would you put your hands together and give God a shout of praise in the house today?